Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. When your space has the long-lasting, noticeable scent of Airwick Vibrant Scented Oils, you'll want to invite everyone over, from book club to the fantasy league, even the in-laws. It smells amazing. Airwick Vibrant Scented Oils are infused with two times more natural essential oils versus regular Airwick Scented Oils for our most authentic, nature-inspired fragrance experience. Hmm. Transform your space with scents like white sage and mahogany or lavender and water lily. Now that's a breath of fresh Airwick. Sunday night edition of the pod, we got to do our final awards. We were able to eschew the full podcast for MVP because I don't think it's that close, but we're going to go through all the major awards and uh, do some of our favorites of the year as well in our own traditional invented categories that we've been doing all season long as well we're sponsored today by blue apron go to blueapron.com slash catspace to find out how to get started with them you'll get 30 dollars off your first order if you go to that blueapron.com slash capspace url and also if you're interested in our other sponsors you can just go to my webpage nateduncannba.com click on the other news link and the, the top of those is our entire list of sponsors in case you missed the code or the name of the sponsors because i know you're paying the absolute closest attention to all of our ads so let's get started with mvp here mr larue the top line is not as challenging as before james harden is having an absolutely spectacular season my stats are a couple days old but they're still pretty close and pete are just under 30 just remarkable how good the Rockets offense has been when he's been on the floor offensive rating around 115 usage at 36 is just absolutely insane that's that's the ESPN iteration of usage there are a couple different versions of it and certainly there one of the arguments is that the Rockets have been better with Harden off the floor I mean better with Harden off the floor than like they were in other years they're still they're still obviously a, a greater positive with it with him on the floor and to my count one of my counters that is a most teams don't have Chris Paul in their second unit a lot of the time. And secondly, Harden's excellence to me has allowed the Rockets to stagger their guys in a way that might not have been as palatable for other teams. And so to me, that superlative offensive season and the fact that really nobody in this mix had a truly strong defensive season made it a pretty easy call. Well, in this mix, I mean, you're just saying that Giannis and AD are not in the mix because I think they both had pretty good defense seasons. Yeah, but not, you know, like let's say what Kawhi did last year. Yeah, Yeah, I wouldn't say either of them is at that level like it's more to me what they did is more of a tiebreaker than a than a a real decisive factor in their favor yeah and for me i had james harden as well my only competition was lebron james and with cleveland having the 29th ranked defense and houston being a, a top 10 unit i think that while harden has a lot of limitations he's been an effective part of their scheme to switch everything and lebron although he obviously has more talent to be a positive defense he has been so unengaged this year as we talked about on worst team all defense i think that he has really been a negative for their defensive culture with all the plays that that he has clearly taken off both in transition and in help defense or getting out on shooters uh, any of those so the argument for james there really only comes down 
to two things for me he's played 400 more minutes than Harden has Harden missed a, about two weeks also missed a, a game for rest James has not missed anything uh but you know I think once you get above kind of 73 74 games you know that's kind of the expectation for a full season in this day and age so I don't take too much of a penalty for Harden on that and then James's clutch stats have been absolutely preposterous this year he's been easily the best clutch player in the NBA 48 percent usage in the clutch gets games plus or minus five points in the last five minutes this is one of the all-time great clutch seasons for a team they've won 7.4 more games than expected to be 19 games over 500 with basically a neutral point differential it's absolutely remarkable and it bears directly on what lebron has done in the clutch not only does he have 48 percent usage and 64 percent true shooting he's got a 61 percent assist percentage so he's doing absolutely everything and in the clutch plus 18 net rating harden himself though has been no slouch he is 44 percent usage 56 percent true shooting is a little less efficient than he's been overall in the year at 62 percent both those guys are about the same in true shooting on the year uh but harden 35 percent assist percentage and plus 21 net rating in the clutch as well so james has the advantage there but it's not a huge one and then the number one thing I would point to for Harden, in addition to just the team being better, the offense being better, is that he has 5% higher usage and the same efficiency. And so that, to me, I mean, that 5% higher usage is massive. And so, I mean, people who say, oh, you know, they're equal statistically, I don't believe that to be the case. I think Harden has had the better statistical season. And when you look at the on-off metrics as well, that's the case. LeBron is... I believe 17th as of this recording in RPM and James Harden is second behind his teammate Chris Paul uh, and LeBron usually is up in the top five especially because of his defense this year that has not been the case so uh, I think James Harden especially with the team success that Houston has experienced a, a very clear MVP and one of the strongest that we've seen a phenomenal year for him I'm happy you brought up the LeBron clutch stats because I was going to as well and that's also why LeBron to me had pretty well separated himself as number two over the other players on the list who are all having good seasons to be sure and the other element that LeBron and Harden both have that everybody else doesn't is that they are the centerpiece and they've stayed healthy of elite offenses and that offense revolves around them so LeBron you know the Cavs have an offensive rating for the whole season around 112 when LeBron is on the floor and for most of the season he has been their shot creator you know he has been the guy Isaiah Thomas had a massively disappointing season when he was even available and he wasn't available a lot they got george hill george hill's missed a bunch of time as well so lebron has had to shoulder that burden in a way even that harden did not but harden has its stretches stretch of time and has absolutely succeeded so to me that separates lebron from what i have as the next two is Giannis and anthony davis those guys to me have very similar overall cases it was actually very tough for me to separate the two of them i ended up going with Giannis over ad largely due to consistency davis has been fabulous He's been better than Giannis for the last month, but the overall body of work, both of these teams rise and fall with their player, and both of these guys have been fabulous this year. So I'm going to go with the player who, on a given night, I felt like I, I knew I knew more of what I was going to get from them than Davis, who, as David Locke originally articulated, but you and I have talked about over it, he is the least consistent superstar overall this season of any of them. Yeah, that's been the case. I mean, neither of these guys has been like a huge clutch star, although Giannis has 
at least been efficient both of those teams though have been solid clutch teams that have outperformed their point difference actually the new Orleans is right about in line the bucks have outperformed it um i think i i went with ad over Giannis. i think Giannis has tailed off just a little bit at the end but this is this is really splitting hairs i mean i don't have a, an amazing argument for why i think it should be ad uh maybe he brings a little bit more defensively every night than Giannis. certainly new orleans defense has been better than the bucks defense especially once cousins went down i think that ad has been a big part of uh why they've been able to keep it together uh and i think these teams have been pretty similar quality and ad is for most of the year to me has had less talent around him than Giannis. so i i would go with ad over Giannis. but again very close i'm very curious to see who your fifth uh person was here because you got to go five deep uh this is one where i i guess no nah, i guess actually looking at it, i have a pretty obvious choice but who's yours damien yep, Lillard. that's mine too i think willard has he's had a really good year and one of the big differences between him and the other guys that i thought were in consideration other than lamarcus aldridge is that he stayed healthy i would not say willard has when he's been on the floor had a better season than maybe jimmy butler that's a harder case i didn't really research it or even steph curry but damien willard has been out there and we've seen his absence actually the last couple games and they've really missed that but wonderful offensive season overall and and just such a a, a phenomenal talent so a step below Giannis and ad also especially because while the blazers have shocked defensively and i think lord has been more of a positive in that than i anticipated he is not providing as much defensive value as either Giannis or ad but you know 30 percent usage 60 percent true shooting 21 percent assist rate 25 per just a really great year for him and most valuable is is about not only how great you play but how much you play and so i think he, he was pretty clear cut for me i i had other guys that i thought about and then i just like lure just kept on knocking him down. yeah and also for lillard not as high of a clutch usage as some of these guys 34 percent, but 62 percent true shooting in the clutch he's had some pretty massive clutch games as well so uh he was my number five very clearly let's move to first team all nba right after this from our friends at blue apron the leading meal kit delivery service in the u.s if you don't know what blue apron is it delivers pre-packaged pre-measured ingredients right to your door i found when i've tried to recreate their meals by going to a high-end grocery store and i've been very impressed with the quality of their ingredients so i think it's comparable to a high-end grocery store you're going to spend a ton more and you're going to have a lot of food waste as well when you go there and you buy this enormous bunch of cilantro that you're going to use like one eighth of and then you're probably not going to have another recipe for the rest of the cilantro and you throw it away i mean that happens all the time so blue apron really uh, avoids that they'll deliver you your meals once a week in a box with some dry ice in it so it keeps it nice and fresh my fiance and i we like to do the four-person meals so we actually have some leftovers we'll do that a couple times a, a week they've got 12 new recipes each week you can pick two three or four recipes based on what best fits your schedule i just would encourage you to go check out some of the recipes of that blueapron.com slash cap space url i think you'll be really impressed with the quality stuff and I, and I found that i've been able to actually with their instructions make all of these meals and have them all taste good so they do a great job of hand-holding you through the process you you can get stuff like popcorn chicken with sweet chili cabbage slaw and cumin spice wonton noodles with vegetables and peanuts that's just one example of what they have this month so just go check it out if you see something that piques your interest you might as well give it a shot because of that blueapron.com slash capspace url you can get 30 dollars off your first order that's blue apron a better way to cook at blueapron.com slash capspace the url use that slash capspace url let them know that you came from us let's move now to first team on ba and as i began to think about this more in the last week 
weeks i started talking to more of our compatriots who were doing this exercise as well as i saw what you had done I decided that especially because there's so much weakness uh, at the forward position once you get down to third team that generally I wanted to try to engineer this so I could get the best players on each individual team as long as I could do it in an intellectually honest way moving guys to positions that they actually play this year. So you can guess obviously uh, that my it happened to work out here that my top five in MVP was also my first team all NBA and I think hard Harden, LeBron, those guys are obvious. Uh, I'd been struggling with at the other forward spot with either Giannis or AD. I think I even you even put LeBron on second team last time, but with AD at between varying estimates, forty three percent at center per cleaning the glass. He's closing basically every game at center since Cousins went down. Uh, another estimate I saw had it as forty eight percent. So that's enough for me to vote him as a center. I voted him as the center in the past. We think that that's his best position. So I feel very comfortable putting him at center, and I think he's been significantly significantly better than the other centers and so if there's a way to get him onto the first team uh, i wanted to do it so lillard and harden at guard lebron and Giannis at forward ad at center is my first team all nba yeah i ended up with a similar thought exercise here um but my top five for mvp is not my top five for all nba so what i did i fudged it a little bit with ad i said the line was 45 percent. he's at last time i checked it at 43 percent at yeah. center but i'm just like that's close enough i I'm, I'm cool with that so the only difference that I had I and and remember we've talked about this before but I see all NBA as more about most outstanding rather than most valuable so I still had I think Curry has been more outstanding than Lillard this year it's a very close call between those two guys and I would have zero opposition to people who think Lillard has been better but just on a per minute basis I think that's a little bit more important so I put Curry there that is our only disagreement yeah you know what I couldn't do it with Curry I agree he's been better than Lillard I think he is better than Lillard but and this is time to get into the guards i mean lillard played 900 minutes more than steph curry he's gonna be about 2500 minutes steph's about 1600 minutes so yeah steph curry was unbelievable this year and we can talk more about him but i still had him down in this other group which for the rest of the guards which is impossible and to me dame other was the only guy you know he didn't play at quite the same level as curry but i thought he played at as good or better of a level than all the rest of the guards and he's got at least a 500 minute advantage on all those guys so I went with Lillard again this is the eye of the beholder I agree with you that Curry's a better player that he played better on a permanent basis this year but only 51 games only 1600 minutes just not enough for me and so that's why I went with Lillard on the first team as I did in MVP but let's get to the rest of the guard line here especially second team All-NBA I assume Lillard was one of your two on second team All-NBA oh yeah absolutely um, no hesitation he was my top guy and my second one no surprise the longtime listeners of the podcast is Chris Paul I think Chris yeah. Paul has been the fourth best guard in the league. Also, now with all the injuries that kind of happened around, I think some of the, the playtime issues that happened early in the season, because he, he missed most of his time early on, have bounced out. So I, I think Chris Paul's relatively clearly the fourth best guard. And then if you want to continue well, well, the discussion, here, let, I think let me, Kyrie, Let's break into this. I, I got a few stats here for you, just to, in terms of some of, some of the missed sure. plays. I mean, to me, I thought that all these guys were very similar, right? Steph, sure. Steph is probably the best player of all these guys. I know you had him on first team but this is my second team analysis is probably the best player of all these guys he played the fewest minutes at 1600 chris paul probably the second best player of these guys especially when you throw in his defense uh the second fewest minutes 1753 Kyrie irving played 1900 minutes this year then you have jimmy butler 2077 minutes but i solved that problem by moving him to second team forward uh where it really drops off after K- 
KD. So my second team forwards are Butler and KD. I think that's uh, pretty clear because uh, the third team forwards oh no i'm sorry that's not what i did i moved butler butler was a third team forward i actually had lamarcus aldridge who we'll get to more of uh as my center on, on second team or or as my forward on second team all day wow i'm totally blowing this so anyway let, let me get back to this and then victor oladipo 2471 minutes 72 games russell westbrook way ahead in minutes with 2800 but probably the weakest individual statistical case of a lot of these guys just uh, with his inefficiency this year and the fact that just he he i think he's outside of Irving might be the worst defensively on a game-to-game basis for these candidates um and there's also the question of just like how it seems like everyone who joins his team as an individual just seems to play worse a lot I mean they're they're getting some of the same shots that they used to make but uh it really I don't know whether it's the fact that he disempowers those guys or just they don't happen to play well or whatever but you know that is a trend that I think it's time to at least acknowledge so with all of that I, I felt like you know the best players played fewer minutes the worst players played more minutes that kind of all evens out and so when everyone is flawed a little bit in these ways i just picked the guys that the two guys that i thought were the best players and that ended up being Stephen paul so that's how i got to my second team guards okay so we ended up on the guard line in pretty much the same spot do you want to finish out the guards or do you want to go to the forwards uh well why don't we go forwards here because there's a little cross matching in terms of the positions um sure so ad was my second my first team center joel Embiid sure. uh was uh, i probably would have had aldridge if you had to put a gun to my head i would have taken at center i would have gone with aldridge instead of Embiid because aldridge he dropped off a little bit but he's just been unbelievable again in this last month or so i mean he's just the only thing keeping the spurs afloat offensively the lack of spacing that he's had to deal with to still be efficient the fact that he faces double teams that he has no one to pass it to who can shoot and he still turns it over on 6.3 percent of his possessions is just absolutely ridiculous and he's not he goes to a fair amount of fadeaways and stuff but he gets into the lane like he actually like makes plays and so he's been incredible and like what he did for example in that game against the jazz even against the lakers which they lost he was unstoppable they probably didn't given the ball enough then frankly so but i felt that Embiid was really good too and i felt that the center position is stronger towards the bottom than the forward position aldridge certainly plays plenty of forward although i think he's at his best at center so i ended up putting him as a forward kd was the clear other forward i mean he, he's had a little bit of a down year in terms of games played and, and maybe his defense but he's still just an unstoppable offensive force and i still and i think he's a better player than ad i think he's a better player than Giannis. it's just those guys have played more games and been a little more engaged this year you know if you wanted to say who who i'd rather have my team in the playoffs i'd say kd than those guys um so that's why i went there and then i was able to move and beat into my second team all nba center position and get another center in on the third team uh, who i thought was deserving because the choices at third team forward if i had had to swing another forward in and had aldridge at the center then i would have had to go down to like you know an al horford or you know probably i guess it probably would have been horford but i think he's a, a level below so most of the guys are talking about especially offensively oh so wait so i think i might have missed this so who did you pick as your third team center we didn't say that yet but that's going to be carl anthony Towns. okay okay yeah that that's an interesting way of doing it i ended up going with aldridge so i went with aldridge as my third team center
center and then had Horford, but you could swap Horford for Towns. I wouldn't have too much opposition to that either way. Those guys. Yeah. I mean, I, damn, I think you're, you're fudging. It was probably better than mine. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think, I, think about it. I just, well, that's good. Cause you really did better fudging than I did it in previous months. But yeah, I think, I think I just, this is a way to get the most overall talent onto the three teams in a way yeah, that's and, still intellectually uh, and, 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 and so a part of this is like, when you think about this 10 to 20 years from now, you want the 15 best players on this because that's a part of the story of the season and these guys careers if a player is one of the best 15 but the reason they don't make it is because of the position especially when they're so fluid right now i think that's unfair to those people when they don't have the benefit of the present of no living through this like we have yeah and al Horford, i mean he's played some power forward more as they've had all these injuries but even he is probably best as a center too so he's not like just oh let's throw him in there at forward automatically either um so i'll get to my third team now you, you finished out your second team right yeah i did for the for the sake of clarity Lillard Paul Durant Butler Embiid yeah so you move Butler to forward as well so basically our our big difference there was you ended up with it was Aldridge your third team center yeah he was though now I'm considering I I think I'll move him to third team power forward and put our third team forward and put Townsend I think that's a better choice than Horford yeah okay he deserves it all right well I actually convinced you maybe maybe after the over-unders one if you well I I I, I'd already made the fudge (laughs) and I'm just sitting there I already made that and I'm like why am I now I'm sitting there going well why am I married to Aldridge at the five when I had basically had to make a decision to slide him over in the first place yeah yeah uh and all right so I guess it, it wasn't me who convinced you I was about to say that maybe you learned your lesson after the Sacramento Kings <laughs> uh in the over-unders but uh I guess hey you convinced me on the magic yeah. that was that was a no good win. that's true I wish I hadn't I would have I would have beaten you this year if I had, if I had uh had not done that um so here's my third team and we'll go back to the guards again so the remaining candidates that I have here are Irving, Oladipo, Russell Westbrook, and then you could throw DeMar DeRozan in there as well. I just don't think he's as good of a player as these guys if you look at the on-off statistics he's really never been in the neighborhood of the guys we're talking about in his career even when we're talking about offensive rpm and and he's a solid player but i just you know i don't see him as the type of force that the rest of these guys have been offensively so to me it really came down to irving oladipo and westbrook irving played the best out of those three played the fewest minutes of course 1900 minutes oladipo i thought was a little bit better than westbrook ironic enough (laughs) considering uh uh and i thought the tie breaker to me between uh, Oladipo and Westbrook in particular was Oladipo has been really good defensively this year he's had one of the best steal rates I think what did he have like 45 straight games with a steal or something like that and steals aren't everything defensively obviously but they definitely matter to just take away a possession from the other team and give yourself a transition opportunity most of the time uh KP uh, we haven't done our all defense yet but KP I think had him on his all defensive team uh and I think he's uh really really improved the Pacers have gotten a lot better defensively as the year has gone on and while Oladipo we thought maybe early in the year that it could just be an artifact of his incredible shooting on pull-up jump shots well that's evened out and he's remained effective and i really liked his uh, efficiency this year he's been more efficient than westbrook so i i just gave it to oladipo over westbrook just barely it's tough though westbrook had the better overall career but i i think especially that first month and a half of the season for westbrook was so ugly statistically and he's been better than that maybe you want to treat that as an outlier and then just uh, his defense defense being so bad and finally the fact that he just despite all the assists that he gets like doesn't really seem to provide an ecosystem where anyone else can flourish with the ball i mean even the only one who's been able to do it really has been kevin durant and then you know maybe harden a little bit as a bench guy very early in his career uh so 
I don't know how much that to blame on Russ, but it, it has been a trend these last few years. So I, I left Russell Westbrook off my all NBA team, although certainly that was difficult to do. And I thought Irving was just so good this year and he played. And also the last tiebreaker here too, Westbrook has been really bad in the clutch this year, basically the polar opposite of what he was last year. You know, same ridiculously high over 40% usage, but true shooting percentage in the 40s. And then Irving has been outstanding in the clutch. His clutch stats, I don't have written down. <laughs> <laughs> but uh wait who's who's where you're looking at because i actually have it up kyrie irving 47.4 usage 58.8 true shooting 117 offensive rating celtics 21 and 13 in clutch situations thir- 34 assist rate percentage assist percentage yeah and then oladipo he's been really awesome in the clutch too 59 percent true shooting 41 percent usage for him so if you're looking for yet another tiebreaker i think that's it so that's why russell westbrook is uh, not on my all nba team and then the forwards you know kind of just by default here butler didn't play that many minutes but obviously it was awesome when he did uh and paul george you know has had a down year for him but i challenge you to come up with who's been the better forward than him there wasn't really anyone particularly in consideration yeah it, it wasn't close and i mean if, if certain guys like draymond green had had better seasons then yeah we would be talking a different way but they didn't so we're not yeah so carl towns over rudy gobert and nicole Jokic and al horford you know that's probably the other one that was a struggle here i think that towns when he really gets into it he can be a little bit better than Jokic defensively and he's just more of an unstoppable force on offense than Jokic. and interesting that these two guys matched up on thursday night as we're recording this because danny is in orlando now as you're listening to this but i thought that gobert has been better this year than either Jokic or towns on a per play basis but gobert is going to be on pace for 56 games and towns you know really plays more minutes than any big man in the league and while he's gotten tired certainly at times and that's bled into his defense he's managed to play just so much and uh when that's really that's a tiebreaker for us here compared to gobert who's still i mean he's been so incredibly valuable defensively and this jazz team has been awesome but i that's why i went with towns gobert plays a few more games it probably would be him yeah and while i i lean more than you do to more outstanding than more valuable this is about where the line has to be for it to for it for it to get there and i mean just it's it's just such a big uh, difference in terms of time played and and part of the reason why that matters is also because of the idea of variance you know if gobert had played more games yeah maybe the jazz would have been similarly awesome but maybe they wouldn't have been yeah maybe it's, it's, no that, it's hard that's to really an interesting know. that's I, I like that idea actually that it is easier to put up a superlative performance in fewer games just because you could be benefiting from random chance that's actually something that i i hadn't looked at as much but i think that there is something to that yeah and so uh, it's it's a close call all those players are are deserving <laughs> and incidentally a lot of them are more deserving than horford so i'm happy i made that switch from for my own purposes thinking about this for the long term but and that sucks because horford had a wonderful season earlier on it's just that he tapered off a little bit which would certainly can happen yeah and he's and, just yeah i think that's I, I know he's i get the idea that he's like a very underappreciated player i mean i've been leading the al horford train for how good he is for a long time but there is a point at which just being very good in a lot of areas isn't enough to overcome like guys who are dominant uh in particular areas and i think that you know when you start talking about towns and you start talking about gobert you're reaching that i mean Jokic versus horford would be an interesting one um but al doesn't play that many minutes either so that's another reason why you might move away from him let's talk defensive player of the year now with joel Embiid's injury probably very unlikely to play the rest of the regular season we'll assume that 
that Gobert plays these final three, four games or so. And I probably would have stuck with Embiid. I think it would have been agonizingly close, but Gobert is going to finish with just about as many minutes as Embiid. And I think he's been, I don't want to say the gap is quite as big as a lot of people want to say, but Gobert does play with more effort. He's better getting out of the perimeter. He provides multiple efforts more often in better shape than Embiid. Uh, So I would go with Gobert and he's played a historically awesome level defensively this year and I just wish he could have stayed on the court a little bit more but he benefited from the fact that Kawhi didn't play at all that Draymond had a down year and so I thought Gobert was clearly the best defensive player in the league this year and he the games played and the minutes played are close enough now with Embiid that I would go with Gobert I went with Gobert as well but I have been frustrated and some of this is by Utah people who have an agenda which I understand I mean especially with how great a year Gobert has had but you don't have to praise Gobert by also kind of denigrating what Embiid did and Embiid has, ha- has a really good profile. It's just not over the same duration of time. And it's funny, the elements of it that are actually similar, this is old hat by this point, but reducing the proportion of shots in the restricted area and lowering the effectiveness, something both of these guys do very well. Embiid actually has a better opponent, like a, a stronger, meaning weaker in that sense, opponent field goal percentage of shots he defended at the rim, which is, you know, a relevant piece. Gobert's a way better defensive rebounder. And where I kind of ended up going with this is the Jazz have been a better defensive team with Gobert on the floor than with Embiid and there are theoretical mitigating factors in that like if 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 it was more of a team effort or it was more of you know circumstance or there was luck involved well there's more luck involved on Embiid's side than Gobert's because the opponent three-point shooting is imbalanced with Embiid a little bit in terms of team shooting better when he's off the floor and, and worse when he's on and with Gobert that's pretty close to even and they both have talent good surrounding talent I don't I don't you know I'm sure Covington will do better in our all defensive teams than a lot of the guys on the on the jazz but the jazz talent is plenty good so i went with gobert for that reason and you know these guys both both had fabulous years celebrate both of them but gobert was better yeah so Embiid was number two for me i went with al horford as uh my third place on my imaginary belt so did i this is the challenge we've gone through for years with the celtics of okay they're a great defense who gets the credit and it is a team effort but also a lot of the other teams in the top five didn't really have somebody to, to point out and i didn't feel comfortable comfortable giving it like I, I briefly considered like Paul George on the Thunder but that is also a team effort I think that Adams and Robertson's roles and their success have been somewhat underappreciated Robertson maybe by his absence and so Horford he kind of stood out as the the next best guy and incidentally I don't think he, I didn't really consider him for defense player of the year but I just want to give a mention because we haven't in this podcast too the role that LaMarcus Aldridge played on the Spurs this year I mean I would have never expected them without Kawhi to be this good defensively especially with Danny Green missing time too and so I I didn't really put him too hard in the defensive player of the year candidates, but I wanted to give him credit for that. Yeah, I thought he was great against Julius Randle Knight, uh, for example, and he's more mobile than he looks, uh, although he still, you know, can get traffic coned by the best guys, but it, he's part of that Spurs system. He's been excellent there. I, something that should have been mentioned when we talked about him uh, in the All-NBA candidacy. This year, to me, I mean, we say this every year, but this year I really mean it. Uh <laughs> coach of the year was extremely difficult i think that there really were probably four or five guys that i can look at and 
it's not just based on oh this team exceeded preseason expectations right like it's not just that it's you can point to the things that these coaches have done well even specific adjustments that they've made it at times but my coach of the year and to me he cemented it with this latest stretch the six game winning streak with Kyrie out uh and that's Brad Stevens I went with Stevens as well I've been lower kind of quote-unquote lower on on him in terms of the coach of year rankings but they've been so good and it's been a lot of it execution based Terry Rozier playing the way that he has their defense getting all these bumps in the road with personnel and still being number one in the league I mean it's been a really impressive year for him but as I want to echo something you said I think this is to me the strongest coach of the year field that I can think of and I wanted to rattle off some of the other people so Popovich to me the Spurs are going to be close to a 50 win season when Kawhi Leonard played 210 minutes that is jaw-dropping when you think about the like kind of one of the criticisms you and I have had about their personnel decisions over the last couple of years has been that they didn't build as deep a team or you know as star a top heavy a team around Kawhi as we would have liked well still still got to that level and Kyle Anderson's had an amazing year you think about guys like that Dwayne Casey the way that the Raptors offense has been retooled and renovated that is very important also they've been strong defensively this year something that has been largely a Casey hallmark during his years in Toronto Quinn Snyder and the Jazz I mean not only do they have the kind of performance relative to talent level stuff including Donovan Mitchell having this year but you see it in the way that they play that they like the stuff they run they are prepared for every game I remember I remember being blown away in certain elements of what they did against the Wolves a little while back and just it was like last week or something like that and the other one I don't think he's with that top four there are a couple other guys like Terry Stotts that I think I could include in this group but I wanted to single out Brett Brown because the Brett Brown has had such a crazy hard job this year because the pieces on the Sixers are just so unusual and to fit a lot of these guys in and make them buy in defensively is pretty incredible yeah Brett Braun I've been really impressed you you mentioned the the fact that they have some odd pieces I mean to get something out of Simmons and the way he's used JJ Reddick's shooting so a lot of creative sets that aren't that common but make a lot of sense uh going to the post-ups with Embiid even though that's something that has kind of been issued of ladies used the weapons that he's had so well uh and especially when you consider how limited some of these bench units were earlier in the year and now that they have some bench pieces that make sense and give them a lot more shooting you've seen how much they've taken off and for him to be able to get ben simmons who was just totally disengaged as a defender at lsu to play you know fringe all defense consideration type of defense this year to get what he has out of Embiid to manage the fact that joel Embiid like doesn't practice and yet you know they don't make mistakes he's part of the the team to manage all the bullshit around marsh or markel fultz this year and then actually have fultz come back and uh, even though he can't shoot a jumper still be like effective and help them i mean that's been incredible so uh, he was not on my top four but that's amazing that we can say all these great things about him and he wouldn't be in the top four a couple others uh, did you mention nate mcmillan at all no but we absolutely should and mcmillan it's a little harder because it's tough to point to you know exactly what he's done but i think the biggest thing you can say is he's just wound up victor oladipo and let him go and we didn't know that victor oladipo could do this and now they run high pick and roll for victor oladipo at the end of every game over and over again and just kill just about everybody and you know we didn't know that he was this player uh he's gotten a ton out of sabonis also you know letting him handle the ball at the elbow playing him at center miles turner i think he's used 
use Turner is an, an interesting piece offensively he's used him in a way to get him more pick and pops where he's been useful so I, I, I again I wouldn't say that he's like this absolute strategic master but he's done a nice job this year and then another guy who because he won it last year isn't going to get enough credit this year is probably D'Antoni and you can say yeah you know what all right they're 155 last year they added Chris Paul it makes sense they're going to win 66 or 67 whatever it's going to be this year but two things that he said I mean I think the idea that oh they're playing so much iso ball is a little bit overblown but what they are doing is enabling the iso ball by running pick and rolls that the opponent has to switch with their worst defender and then James Harden and Chris Paul are, are cooking that player and I think they've just been merciless in going after that they still have a few pet sets as well but generally making sure that they stick with enough spacing and then defensively you know Jeff Bizelik is assistant deserves a lot of credit for this also but the idea and I think this is really going to pay off in the playoffs is just switching everything all the time you know this they've been more aggressive with that than any team I think we've ever seen and they've even with you know guys like Capella who you know can switch a little bit but to say hey you know what you're just going to do this every time and you've got Chris Paul and James Harden and we're going to have those guys battle in the post and we'll double team if we need to and they just are getting so much practice with that scheme I think it's really going to pay off for them against Golden State avoiding mistakes against some of that Golden State offense so uh D'Antoni deserves a lot of credit but I said Brad Stevens my number one I don't think I even had this guy in my top three at any point in the year but Quinn Snyder has gotten the Utah Jazz the sixth best net rating in the NBA they've won 27 out of their last 32 games games at this recording and so he is my number two coach of the year i put snyder at three and pop at two but you could put him in either order i have no opposition to that so uh, Dwayne casey we had a little bit higher he actually still was number three for me and you know i go back and forth on that because i don't think that he does he's not like the absolute smartest end of game coach they still struggle a little bit at the end of games but to take a team shoot so many more threes so many more passes so many more assists moving the ball the bench was awesome again this year even though they didn't have kyle lowry on that bench unit anymore they still have the best bench net rating in the nba i believe uh and just to take a team that like has had such disappointing playoff results and have them come back and be like hey we're gonna change but we're gonna do this again and we're gonna have a great regular season i still don't feel that great about their playoff chances but to get them to even this level in the regular season is a great accomplishment especially defensively i mean this is not a team you look at it's like oh man look how good their defense is they've had what top five defense all year and so and then the way they push the ball and transition on the second unit i think well you know it's not like the most complex stuff in the world i think you just have to give credit to what they've done i had popovich at four um and i realized that he's considered a great coach and there's just been a few too many things that he's done that i i kind of think could have just been done a little bit better to where i put him below casey i think you're only supposed to have three on this ballot but i wanted to say that he was four um just playing way too many lineups that don't have enough spacing uh this lineup that they've been starting recently with aldridge at center with danny green and kyle anderson yeah green has missed time i get that but just to not go to that until very recently and then actually go away from that as well against the lakers yesterday but like that lineup has just been unbelievable lately but i whenever he goes to a lineup that has just a little bit more mobility and spacing like it seems to work and he just doesn't do it that much uh they generally just don't play danny green enough i don't think so (laughs) just some little things i i have a i have a couple counters one they're fourth in defense despite having to me significantly inferior personnel to a lot of the teams around them in defensive ranking just with who's actually played this year also the way that they managed DeJounte Murray I think has been very impressive that wasn't the key point in favor of Brett Brown but 
but Marie, I think has, I think that's worked out relatively well. He's gotten to the right place at the right time of the year. I don't think that if they had done it earlier, it really would have worked yeah, out. Yeah, I don't to know get that Tony it has. Parker to I don't go along know with that, that it has worked out though. I mean, like I, I'm, or I think I would rather be starting Patty Mills over him, even so. I mean, it's just like, and now maybe that the, and especially when they were starting him and still starting two bigs at the same time. I mean, that was kind of like I'm still not sure that he's the best option. Maybe you feel like, hey, Kawhi's not going to come back. Let's make this a developmental season. Uh, and Murray has been unbelievable defensively. I mean, I think he deserves a lot of consideration for an all-defensive team. Uh, he really causes problems. Uh, and I might put him on. I haven't decided all the way. Yeah, yet. no, I, I still have to really go through it. Uh, but others certainly have mentioned that. So, uh, yeah, it was just a little bit a great performance by him you know he could have easily been the coach of the year in another season it's just especially snyder just been on an absolute rocket ship lately so that's uh that was tough and even i think another guy who just deserves a slight bit of mention is uh luke walton who does some weird shit with the lineup sometimes but getting this totally young team to defend it's another thing that stevens deserves so much credit for is like think of all the young inexperienced guys who defended well on, on the celtics this year uh but luke walton has managed to get a young team to defend a young team that has a, a lot of guys who are going to be free agents a lot of distractions this year with the, the cap space that they have over the summer a lot of guys who are going to want new contracts be free agents to get them to stay together has been good i mean that wasn't been some unbelievable coaching performance but i think that at least deserves mention we've gone a full 45 minutes on this podcast and haven't done what might be the most divisive category of the entire ballot rookie of the year oh man well you know what jazz fans you got defensive player of the year so don't be as mad <laughs> ben simmons has had a better Ben Simmons has had a better year than Donovan Mitchell. He has been, both guys have exceeded expectations. Mitchell has exceeded expectations by more, but Ben Simmons is the primary ball handler on a shockingly successful team, especially when you consider the, some of the spacing issues related to their personnel. He has been more efficient as a scorer, despite not taking jump shots. Well, well, and, well, wait a minute. Let me push back on that. Yeah, as a scorer, but when you throw in his turnovers, I think actually Mitchell sure. has been more efficient. 19% turnover. Yeah, but then you have to, then you throw in, then you throw in some, if you're throwing in turnovers, then I think you throw in uh, the assist numbers where Simmons really dwarfs Mitchell, you know, that, that, that he just has a larger, he has a larger role within that part. Like, I mean, his is just, I mean, the, the assist rate's about double. Yeah. And I think that's significant in its own way. Both guys have been good defensively and they have very different responsibilities. Simmons plays a lot with Embiid and Covington and Sharch has taken on a larger role as well. So depending on the game, sometimes he has a really tough assignment, sometimes Sometimes it's more manageable. Mitchell's has bounced around too. But for me, just the overall body of work, degree of difficulty is high for both these guys. I th I think degree of difficulty is a little bit higher for Simmons. And I think he has done a somewhat better job. So I, I feel pretty good about it. It's it's a tougher race than I ever thought it would be. But Simmons is my pick. I went with Mitchell. Interesting. And this is, of course, not the be all end all here. But you, you mentioned, oh, Simmons, he's been the primary ball handler. And yeah, okay. I, I, like, and I don't want to, believe me this is incredibly hard uh and, and i had simmons i think at, at most points here throughout the season and this isn't even necessarily a, a case of effectiveness but this is just something to think about donovan mitchell clutch usage 44 percent. ben simmons clutch usage 19 percent. and you know mitchell hasn't been that efficient only 49 percent true shooting that's not amazing but it does just show a little bit to me 
the difference in roles and i think that offensively mitchell has had a much harder role than ben simmons ben simmons does not have the pressure on him to score he can kind of dribble the ball up he can pass it he can go do some other stuff he can be off the ball it's someone else's job to score maybe it could be him maybe he can set people up but you know, he, he is a great passer but just going against a set defense having to score having to be the main guy on a team like this uh you know and they're pretty even in terms of team quality overall so that, that's not really much of a tiebreaker to me uh i think that donovan mitchell has been the superior offensive player this year i think he's a little bit higher in offensive rpm than simmons is you consider the spacing that mitchell provides taking off the ball 7.6 three-point attempts per 36 minutes where obviously simmons when he doesn't have the ball i think he's a liability offensively you know he does a good job of moving they have some sets to take advantage when teams help off of him he can duck in you know i'm not saying that he's you know isn't a good offensive player but i think mitchell is better offensively and i don't think that there's quite enough from simmons to overcome that defensively i actually think that mitchell what mitchell's job is i think he does it a little bit better defensively even though ben simmons just because he can switch might be a more valuable defender i've made that point before i hope i articulated that i think that mitchell gets into the ball more um executes a little more has fewer lapses than simmons does even though simmons has really edited so much of that out of his game he deserves a lot of credit these guys have just to be have this type of offensive burden as rookies and still be good defensively is just incredible for both of these guys but ultimately i think i i am going with mitchell um you know what he has done i mean both these guys have done unprecedented stuff for for rookies but just to be the main option on a team that's this good as a rookie and to do it at nearly 30 percent usage and league average efficiency is just incredible again this is an absolutely agonizing decision for me i'm guessing simmons will probably end up winning it uh but you know and then i think another thing let me ask you this who's your pick as the better prospect right now going forward I mean, well, I would say, I mean, because with Simmons, really the weak point for him is like, I mean, how how much of a jumper does he need to just be a completely bonkers? Like if he has a, a jump shot like what Giannis has now, I think that's probably enough for him to be just this guy that's kind of uncontainable because of his passing ability and everything else. So I I would say... Mitchell has a I would say Mitchell has a higher expected value to me just because the jump shot is already there and his defensive effort is so good and and Simmons has a higher ceiling like I think it's I I can see a path where Simmons wins MVP but I'm not quite sure I can see that with Mitchell It would have to be just such so be so far beyond and I care more about ceiling than expected value in this specific case so I still think and also Simmons is younger I believe so barely I would say like they're both like 21 ish they're close yeah and and I mean because Simmons missed a year and Donovan and spent a year spent an extra year in college i believe and it's closer i mean when we do the prospect rankings both of those guys will be eligible that will be a very interesting question part way through next year oh and another thing that i found really interesting with the way that you and i did this and i think this ties in with your question is you've been more open about the idea of who is the better player being a part of rookie of the year so that would lead me to believe that your thoughts on this might be might be worth mentioning right now i'm too tired to understand what you're trying to lead me into <laughs> basically you have said in prior years that rookie of the year kind of the tiebreaker is who will be the better oh, player oh, so will that you be, don't get will those, be the like, better player yeah yeah who be. the better prospect is. right yeah, okay yeah that, that's where i was kind of going with this and you know i guess like the highest like 99th percentile outcome for simmons is better but i just think the chances of him getting even an adequate jump shot are so low at this point like it just it looks like the free throws the fact that he's made almost no progress uh, his finishing around the room has gotten a, a lot better but just i mean he was more comfortable shooting from 
the three-point line when we saw him like three four years ago at the hoop summit even uh you know he was taking them in those practices i don't know if he was making that many but he at least was comfortable taking them uh which you haven't even seen now so mitchell to me doesn't have that clear of a weakness that i think is just never going to be improved you know i think and, and i feel pretty strongly that simmons jump shot is going to be an issue for him throughout his entire career and so yeah on the very small chance that he improves that jump shot i would say simmons is a higher ceiling based on his passing and his size but i would say that i think mitchell for a lot of outcomes has the higher ceiling and so that's i would put mitchell just slightly above simmons as a prospect right now uh you know maybe you could say that simmons could have a longer career because he's taller but i i if you ask me who i think is more likely to have a higher peak right now i would probably go with donovan mitchell than simmons i see i see your argument and and again expected value in certain ways is more about likely peak than than peak is because 99th percentile outcome is very different from 75th or something like that third place rookie of the year jason tatum no real arguments there right none uh and then four fabulous year would have won rookie of the year last year you know going through all that well i was thinking instead of going through like fourth and fifth place we just jump into did you do your all rookie teams because i did oh no i didn't know we had to do that no yeah i guess we were kind of saving we didn't okay do you want me to just do mine yeah now, go ahead i'll, I'll uh, let me see if i can catch up to it in a second while you're or or you can hear mine and just say what you disagree with that's a, a yeah i mean I, I haven't done the research uh, we'll see whether i can i yeah. can get up to speed enough here <laughs> while you're okay. talking well we can so so my first team simmons mitchell tatum automatically and this does not have to be by positions it's just right. five five and five fourth and after this the order doesn't get as much it was just to me there was so larry marketing and alonzo ball were my next two marketing has had a a nice offensive season defensively some intriguing signs I, I like what he's done overall and been put in a you know in a, in a challenging spot to a degree with the Bulls playing 30 minutes a game and has played most of this year I think he's, he'll end up somewhere around 70 games played and then my last one might actually be most interesting and I'm, and Lakers fans might disagree with it even though it's a Laker and that's Alonzo Ball I think Ball has been a better player this year than Kyle Kuzma even though Kuzma's offensive numbers are better because he's a better scorer because he can actually shoot but Lonzo's defense has been important his playmaking has been really really significant for the Lakers and I think as an overall impact as a rookie which is I don't have a really firm rubric for it but I think that's closer to what I'm actually looking for so I and and I don't this is way more for me about more outstanding than you know it's it's not like oh well who played more games or anything like that because that leads to mistakes for me so that's my first team and it's there are a lot of great guys I actually had some trouble with the second team just because there were more guys that I liked than there were spaces for but what I ended up with and I'm not going to spend as much time on this. Bogdan Bogdanovich, really nice year with the Kings. Definitely needs to be at least on the second team. John Collins, strong year with the Hawks. Kyle Kuzma, no real argument there. And if he had played the end of the year the way he started it, then he would have been first team without a question. Jordan Bell and Jared Allen. Allen got the last spot over Bam. Real close call between those two guys, but I just I just have liked what Allen's done. And he's depending, like he's had more responsibilities, especially late in the year. Bam has, you know, when Whiteside has been out, has gotten it. But Allen, I think, has earned the spot. Spot. and it's a close call between these two guys so i kind of made that the difference but a lot of their guys are having good years too no that's true and, and this it becomes difficult here how do you treat someone like dennis smith who you know in the on off numbers has been pretty bad although he's come on uh, later in the season to the point where he actually had to get shut down to help dallas's tank uh by shutting him down instead of helping the tank by leaving him out there uh but you know and smith has been inefficient he has been poor defensively but still as a prospect i think the point of the all rookie teams in a way is to kind 
kind of just look forward to what these guys are going to be so I, I would probably have smith on there i would probably have Darren fox on there in the same rationale i had kuzma fourth in my rookie of the year so he would have been on my all rookie team ball would clearly uh, first team marketing would probably round that out ball smith fox would all be on the on that second team i would probably throw collins in there as well and then uh yeah i would go with jared allen as the uh the last guy you know a guy who started a lot of games at center for the nets this year i think he's come on he was awesome tonight against uh against the bucks by the way um trying to think if there's anyone else i'm missing here oh i, I didn't say bogdanovich he should be on there he would be on there over i would say so that, that'd probably be it for me but again this isn't just oh who provided the most value to their team as rookies i think at some point you have to give more uh, of a feeling of who these prospects are uh, kind of more players to watch going forward that type of a feeling and so when you it would be unprecedented for guys like fox and smith who started all year to not be on the all rookie team it's kind of a shame that tay dosage can't make it but he's he's missed so much time right. that it, it he's also like 30. okay so they're <laughs> hey hey you're a rookie you're a rookie man uh, there, there, it would be hilarious to do like an older rookie of the year yeah. so like only guys who are 25 and older or something like that i would enjoy that but i understand why they will never give it so there are kind of two other player awards that are the traditional ones neither of them has too much drama in terms of the number one overall let's do six man of the year just kind of i think we can do this a little more quickly lou williams is number one there is no question there i mean he's had a spectacular season more valuable as a six man than anybody and you should there's a very good argument to be made that he probably shouldn't have won this award because he just should have started but he didn't yeah. so he did so he is and he as, as of this talking 19 starts uh, out of 77 games uh actually no it'd be 78 games now after because we compiled these during the day today and uh, last i checked it a couple of weeks ago he was on pace for i think either the highest or second highest scoring average of any player who was ever eligible for six man of the year so that's pretty good uh number two i had will barton has played the most minutes of any eligible six man can't this year though again he's started a fair number of games it almost seems like now like you have to be good enough to start and start a lot when guys are out of the lineup for your team to really make it at this point for six man uh you know unless you're like an andre guadala and just an absolutely loaded team like last year uh but barton was number two for me he's had a good year uh interesting note in chris haynes piece today that he turned down the josh richardson four for 42 extension from the nuggets before the season i think he will rue that uh those supposedly on the advice of his agent aaron goodwin uh i don't think that was a great decision but he got out and had about as good a year as he can and i still don't think he's going to get close to 42 million dollars guaranteed unless the nuggets just like blink and give it to him i don't see another team giving him that and they have a lot of reasons not to blink unless Cronkies willing to go into the tax i had barton second as well again a big role in their offensive success and that's often times a key part for six man of the year and then i had a real challenge with the last spot just because it's guys that are two different archetypes and one of them is Montrez Harrell. Harrell has just been brutally efficient, which I do really like, though it should be mentioned that PER in particular really does value those center types because rebounding and, and efficient scoring and, and all that. But who I ended up going with was Fred Van Vliet. Van Vliet as semi as a proxy for Toronto's bench, but also had a wonderful year in his own right. And the other part that I've liked so much about Van Vliet and kind of one of the tiebreakers of sorts is that he has done the other thing that I love for six men to do, which is be so good that they often close game and toronto has plenty of personnel at his position you know but they've oftentimes gone small to to success and i mean he gets into guys so much that to me that was the tiebreaker as it were you didn't mention the name pj tucker was he in consideration for you yeah he was in consideration as well tucker it's always hard for me with players who it's just kind of it's it's a different role with him in another year i think you know his case is kind of similar to iguodala 
except not as much playmaking. And I don't know, part of it for me was also that I think Mba Mute has played, he's played so well for parts of this year that maybe I took that, I took that against PJ Tucker, which I shouldn't have. But yeah, he was absolutely in my consideration as well. Lots of guys had strong years for this as well. But for me, I'm happy with Williams, Barton, and Van Vliet. Yeah, I think between, I went with Tucker, but I think Van Vliet is obviously a great choice as well for number three. I mean, to me, Tucker, and this is another one of those ones where a lot of the work that he's done has been as a starter, but he's only started 30 games, so he is uh, eligible here because as long as you don't start half the games, you're eligible uh, under this category. I can't remember whether it's half the games or less than half the games, uh, but he's not close either way. So, and I think he just deserves a lot of credit for this defensive improvement, this defensive culture improvement in Houston. Another really key part of their switching schemes, he's hit enough three-pointers to keep the defense honest and some clutch offensive rebounds late in games as well. I think Van Vliet is more of a traditional kind of candidate, uh, but and he's been great, but I think... I think if you had to ask me who would I rather have on my team, PJ Tucker or Fred Van Vliet, I'd probably rather have PJ Tucker. I'll rattle off a couple other guys that I think have had good years that I just want to mention. Terry Rozier, who sure. also is benefiting like so many of these guys as from time as a starter. Olinick has had a nice yep. year. Yep. Former teammate of Terry Rozier. And then honorable mention for everybody on the Raptors bench. I mean, Pirtles had a, uh, everybody. I don't even need to single out another guy other than Van Vliet, who I'd put third. All of them. If you're asking about Tyreek Evans, he is no longer eligible. He started too many games. Correct. Julius Randle was eligible for for a time but then became ineligible uh Nikola Miritich is eligible but he's just dropped off too much with the Pelicans hasn't played enough games Eric Gordon is now now eligible he certainly deserves discussion and Kyle Kuzma is someone that might have been mentioned but to me he's one of the worst net ratings on the team so I'm not really ready to put him up in this conversation either uh all right so that's all of the like fill out the ballot award categories right no one more most improved player most improved player yeah and you know what I don't think I even had that written down because just so obviously Victor Oladipo yeah Victor Oladipo's number one I mean just the improvement that he had in the scale I mean we've, we've talked about the jump to like MVP caliber is important well what Oladipo did is he jumped like four levels you know it wasn't a one level jump it's he, he made himself from being a you know a a decent starter to a bona fide all-star and somebody we both pick for all NBA in one year. And that is awe-inspiring. Yeah, it's been just one of the greatest improvements. I mean, probably the last one that I could go back to that came this out of nowhere was Jimmy Butler. The first year that he really, 14, 15, when he just like came back and all of a sudden had all this like ISO jab step game and a jumper and like was all of a sudden the Bulls best offensive player uh, when they had all this other firepower. They're supposed to be this juggernaut that year so uh and maybe like cj mccollum would come to that category too although he was more he had done it in the playoffs the year before so you kind of thought that maybe it was coming and he hadn't really just he'd been injured he hadn't really gotten as much of a chance i mean the old depot certainly gotten plenty of a chance um so yeah that'd be it anyone else that you think oh. deserves mention or, or you had something else to say there yeah so it, i i actually did fill out a, a three-person ballot okay. for it and i didn't really do a ton of digging because it's like when you already have the number one kind of like, yeah but so what i went with was spencer dinwiddie with two he's really had a nice year and and gotten a big opportunity and delivered in that i mean if it had just been the early part of the season where you know there was this curiosity that the nets were playing so much better when dinwiddie was on the floor than when 
D'Angelo Russell was on the floor, then that would have been something. But he went in the starting role. I thought he did a nice job there. And then my number three is Julius Randle. He has really come on late in the season. And if his if the if the really positive sample for Randle was bigger, he could have been higher on this. He wouldn't have passed Oladipo. Nobody was passing Oladipo. But I really want to give credit to Randle. I think he's a much better player. And then the biggest thing that has happened is last year, one of the open questions was, well, you can't defend well enough with him at center to really make that work. And I still don't think you can as a starter. I'm still questioning that. But his overall performance on that end has also been positive, even though the offensive end has been big gains as well. Yeah, well, and he's been so good offensively now that the question is more, well, how are you going to defend him than how is he going to defend you in a lot of matchups? Right. Um, Another guy who deserves mention here to me and would have gotten so much more attention had he either A, been traded like he should have been, or B, Memphis just hadn't been such a shit show this year as Tyreek Evans, who just, I mean, yep. Tyreek Evans was basically done last year. I mean, he got a one-year, $3.3 million contract, and I, I think, you know, we thought, all right, maybe that's a good flyer but Tyreek Evans was a wonderful offensive player this year uh, and the jump shot really fell for him so uh, you know I would probably put him above Randall on my ballot and and Dinwiddie would be in there too and Van Vliet is another guy who was totally fringy sure so we can transition our our biggest surprise player it's got to be Oladipo again I would say and pretty similar list of candidates except the other two I would add Donovan Mitchell to do what he did this year as the number 13 pick and then Kyle Kuzma same thing as the number 27 pick just completely coming out of nowhere uh other than uh with the genius Mike Schmitz who predicted Donovan Mitchell for rookie of the year I don't think anyone else did that well Locke kind of did come when he said he would score 15 a game and I said if you want said played 15 a game then he would have a good shot at rookie of the year and that ended up you know Locke kind of had it right there yeah a a good shot with everyone except for you apparently (laughs) yeah (laughs) a biggest surprise team i kind of went in two realms with this because i think they both deserve it for different reasons so relative to preseason expectations it's the indiana pacers because we talked about this in the over-unders i mean we were both thought it was a close call with over under 31 and a half and they're gonna get close to 50 wins and it's not like they had this big buying spree at the trade deadline or anything like that no it was just the players they had were way better than we thought they were and then the other one surprise team is kind of along those lines it just happened in season was Boston losing Gordon Hayward two minutes into the season we we both thought they were like a low 40s win team after that and second best team in the Eastern Conference probably the fourth best team in the league overall this year and then you consider that Kyrie's going to play what 60 games or something too uh to get Mm -hmm. to this level has been remarkable they would be number one for me for that reason but that might even be unfair to the Pacers and you know I was thinking about it oh yeah the Jazz would be it but the Jazz are only going to be nine wins more than they're over under probably eight wins more than they're over under and the Pacers are going to be 19 more so that that would be it probably I mean I agree with you the Celtics obviously those under over unders didn't realize that Hayward and Kyrie would have they'd have all these issues um and the Raptors would be another one too Blazers would be another one as well just to be the three seed even though that's probably overrating how surprising they were just due to the fact that some of these other teams have disappointed and they've you know they've maybe been five wins over their expectation six wins over their expectation uh but so yeah I mean a big with the coach of the year candidate so strong uh, I mean you have to throw the Spurs in there too if you want to just because of uh although I you know this wasn't like that far off when I would have thought the Spurs would have done without Kawhi so just because yeah of I would have thought I would have thought mid 40s because they still out execute all these bad teams they would have picked up those games but they they got a couple extra so yeah I, they improved but not anything like what the Pacers did so uh biggest disappointing team the 
Cavs have improved so much especially under Larry Drew they've won nine out of their last 10 now they've looked fine on the year especially without Isaiah Thomas they've looked fine but nonetheless they've been so reliant on clutch play they certainly have the most disappointing net rating in the league to be basically even and just to be 29th in defense I mean that's just I mean think of what other teams are out there that have just have not been well, and trying to, and to have earned and it like yeah. this isn't this isn't a historic opponent three-point shooting season or just some sort of thing no they've just sucked they have sucked on defense this year and even as they've been winning these games it hasn't got I mean it got better for like five minutes in their their win on Thursday over the Wizards that crazy crazy game but they're still bad defensively and it's still a real concern and the other thing for me is I do not consider teams that were disappointing almost solely because of injury in the same category so yeah like Memphis fell far below their win expected win total but they basically didn't have Mike Conley this year so that's an entirely different kind of disappointing and I don't think it fits the spirit of the award yeah same thing with the Spurs obviously so the Bucks would be my second uh even though they're going to be right about where their over under was we didn't know that that Bledsoe trade was going to happen and also we didn't know that Giannis was going to play as well as he's played this season and to see how well he's played and to still just you know be not that much better this year is a disappointment to me but I would still go with the Cavs even though I have them as the favorites to come out of the Eastern Conference um what about player anyone come to mind for you there well yes yes somebody did Andrew Christian Wiggins Oh, that's his middle name, huh? I looked it up. I feel like you only should do that when you're saying something positive about someone. And all I just had to say is, I, I I have used his name so often in disappointing contexts. I thought I had to bring some variance into it. Yeah, that's probably got to be it for me too. I mean, career low in PER, career low in true shooting, despite having Jimmy Butler and Carl Anthony Towns on this team. So you thought, oh, he could go into a smaller role. And defensively, he's been better, but he hasn't been as good as I had hoped. And a lot of guys didn't really disappoint this year. So. It, it, I felt pretty positive about this year, well, so there weren't I've as many good one, candidates. Though. Okay, Carmelo Anthony. Yeah, yeah. I guess offensively, because we knew he sucked. Yeah, but we didn't. I, we still didn't even know that he sucked this badly defensively. Like he's been exposed so much, and, and you know, I don't think the teams did this when he was on the Knicks for whatever reason. But now, you know, he's with all these other good defenders that you don't want to go at, and so now he's being exposed in that way too. So, I mean, I think he's been even worse defensively than I thought he would be. I mean, I'd never really seen him that much try to like defend guys on switches or defend in the pick and roll it was more kind of like okay you know we're hiding him off the ball he's not very good as a help defender or a rim protector but the way he's been exposed on the perimeter i didn't know he was this bad on the perimeter and then and, and i think he's also taken a step back even uh, on the perimeter as well and then just to not even be able to hit a shot i mean the fact that he's been a negative offensive player this year and that's really pretty remarkable uh, as well so I, I i thought he would actually help okc that obviously has not been the case we criticized the knicks for that trade that that was wrong uh they just even getting off of his salary was a coup and to get mcdermott who they ended up getting a second rounder for they ended up getting that bull second rounder cancer you know he's at least has some value even though he's bad salary you reduce you know the bad salary that they owe next year by uh about 10 million or so with uh, uh that early termination option that i think uh, carmelo anthony may happen to next year so yeah i, I would go carmelo because it's just uh, i think wiggins th- this kind of a performance for me like does it really surprise you that much like being honest uh, about wiggins it doesn't surprise me but that's because i didn't have faith in him yeah. in the i mean what's he place? shooting on threes 30 32 <laughs> percent right i know but so if you didn't have faith in the first place how is it that you're disappointed right like i because it was a best case scenario i thought i thought that you know he if it was going to work for him it was going to work this year all the all all the 
stars aligned for for him and I was open to the idea that he showed some signs late last year that this is what he needed to really activate and also I would say that his willingness to shoot the ball as much as he has yes Minnesota has had a wonderful offense overall this year that to a point I, I think that it has been detrimental to what they've done though they've succeeded to a point in spite of it I mean their offense is still really good right I mean we bitch about their offense right. so much th- but yeah I mean I guess it, it could be even better with better structure and more chances for the guys who deserve them but nonetheless yeah I think I, I wanted to agree with you and then I was kind of like you know what most if I had to pick the most disappointing player to everyone else maybe it would be Wiggins but for me this was kind of you know this is a mild disappointment uh, because I just wasn't as high to me I didn't th- I wasn't expecting him to shoot in the high 30s on threes this year you know I expected him to I didn't expect him to like get religion on not taking long twos anymore when he had the ball like he had 29% usage last year he's just gonna stop shooting like that seemed pretty unlikely so um he's also done a little bit better defensively this year I think he's actually he's improved more defensively than I thought he might so that's that's part of this too he's improved more at his effort level uh so yeah I, I to me it's mellow I mean I, we don't need to argue about this too hard but I I mellow is the obvious one because he just like you nobody in there on earth thought that he would just like not even be able to make a jump shot I don't know if you did executive of the year I did I can just say what yeah who was it I think the two top candidates were Maury and Ainge both overhauled their teams in the offseason Ainge to a large extent to bring in Gordon Hayward without having to sacrifice that much though they did trade Avery Bradley for Marcus Morris which actually with given the injuries that Avery Bradley ended up having to go through though I do not believe those existed at the time so I don't think you gave Ainge much credit for that and I mean Isaiah Thomas was a damaged asset I mean that was a part of what ended up having to go on with the trade the, the sides knew it that's why they had to adjust the compensation but the reason I went with Maury is that Ainge had way more assets or in the term that I've been using more recently is team building tools to work with he started with the number one pick he started with awfully close to max cap space and other draft assets and Ainge did very well with those he did better than I anticipated and I was very critical of the offseason they had and that turned out to be largely wrong but Maury got Chris Paul you could even make an argument that they gave up a little bit too much in that trade relative to the leverage that the Clippers had but they replaced some of that talent with just superbly fitting players getting PJ Tucker maybe the last couple of years that'll be a little bit shaky and Bob Mute for the minimum is an absolute heist and not only did they build did Maury build a great regular season team but he built a much more dynamic and dangerous playoff team specifically for the one team that mattered most against them the Golden State Warriors yeah I would have Maury number one as well I mean the he was able to bring back Nene Luke and Bob Mute for the minimum was awesome they kind of struck out a little bit on Tarek Black but they needed him as, as center depth uh, they got hopefully some useful assets on the buyout market we'll see whether Joe Johnson actually ends up killing them in the playoffs or not uh the Chris Paul trade was great PJ Tucker uh, fantastic so uh, all that was good I mean to take a team that didn't look like they had much flexibility and get it to you know a 65 67 win season number one seed in the west is incredibly impressive Ainge should be up there for me although I'm a little comfortable uh, uncomfortable and we should have talked about this yesterday or on Thursday rather about the Kyrie thing you know we didn't like that trade as much then it turned out that it was looking really good for Boston now it's maybe not looking as good uh we'll see what happens in the lottery we'll see if Kyrie can come back you know I mean that's uh that's going to be a big part of this as well so it, it might be a little early to judge that trade and you know, i mean they're probably more likely than not to lose in the first round we'll see what their matchup is uh so even after all that the team made it to the east finals last year and if they lose in the first round this year and eh, you know it's a little harder i know it's a regular season award but I, and then the Fultz tatum thing too he looks like a genius for that now 
getting that king's pick is looking pretty juicy right now we'll see where that ends up a lot of it is just we don't quite know how those have turned out yet um whereas for more i mean you know we know that they've been really good i think utah you know getting donovan mitchell with that trade was fucking unbelievable getting ricky rubio was really good also recovering losing hayward by you know they re-signed joe ingles to what seemed like an overpay he's well earned that contract this year they brought in some good depth pieces jarebko has really helped them then uh to make the trade for hood they've really taken off after they got crowder as well to move on from hood he's not shooting it well but still has helped there so for him and they're going to win almost as many games as last year after losing hayward i mean that's just absolutely unbelievable well and they didn't mortgage the future to do right. it a lot of the a lot of flexibility you know tabo got hurt and if they had given him a multi-year contract that would have been a much bigger deal udo i think that's going to end up looking pretty good for them so yeah i mean utah has more flexibility than you would have expected from a team that had to pivot so quickly and yeah fabulous job and i mean the the trade for donovan mitchell holy crap I mean, that's a franchise changer. Um, you know, Sam Presti, we thought that he would be in this conversation. That was not the case. Uh, maybe that means we need to give uh, Kevin Pritchard a little love here. Sure. Um, I mean, yeah, they they traded Paul George and got better. I don't think that's at the same, the kind of same level as some of the other ones, but definitely better than like, if we go through our offseason grades again, that was probably the one that will change the most off the top of my head. They traded Paul George and got better and got a better player than him. I mean, if you, if you, I could offer you Paul George on his next contract or Victor Oladipo going forward, it's clearly Oladipo at this point, right? Oh, like yeah. it's not even close to, cause now you're going to have to pay Paul George 33 million a year. He's going to get the Blake Griffin contract. Yeah. Also Sam Presti's extension on Victor Oladipo looks a whole lot better now than it did after last year. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, if he'd stayed in OKC, who, who knows what he would have become, although he, he did get into much better shape even before the trade. But, uh, and then this is one that I think might be controversial for you, but I don't know how Tom Thibodeau can't be in this discussion I mean, he has to be well the, the jimmy butler trade yeah. is 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 massive what they gave up i mean yeah chris dunn has had a better year than you and i both anticipated but and remember they also got back a pick in that trade they ended up using that pick on justin Patton. yeah but they yeah i mean thibodeau if basically all he had done was the jimmy butler trade and then just done absolutely nothing well you know and, well, and we can other we can quibble with i mean the taj gibson signing i think that was actually a good one only two years like he's earned his salary this year um i would say so their starting unit has been pretty good and they needed a point guard and drew holiday was more money than they could have gotten yeah so i I, and yeah jeff t i think that's looking like a fine signing so far he does have he that might dry up a little bit but and they're they're massively improved and while if butler stayed healthy they'd probably win 50 games this year there are uh eight and nine without him well are are we blaming tibbs for how do we count in the wiggins yeah oh god oh yeah that's no good um the highs and lows i mean granted and 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 also executive tom thibodeau (laughs) allowing him to play jimmy butler so many minutes and then he gets injured again we caution we don't know for sure that that caused it but you know maybe not a great idea to push him quite that hard um so yeah but i I think it's it's got to be maury clearly but there's just it's interesting to talk about some of these other ones um but yeah yeah, the the wiggins extension kills it though i'd I'd forgotten about that 
I, I want to give some credit to Masai Ujiri. I mean, there are two different components of this in terms of player development and drafting, but they, I mean, if, if one of their organizational goals was to get underneath the luxury tax and not get worse, somehow they were able to do that. I mean, with the overhaul well, in terms about of the just offense, not OG. firing his coach, which many yeah. people thought was going to happen. And OGs had a, had a wonderful year and Damari Carroll certainly would have helped, but assuming there wasn't really a market for Valanciunas and Pirtle wouldn't have, I, I think starting the year with him in that spot would have been very challenging that it's really worked out well for them. And again, high degree of difficulty and also not giving Lowry and Abaka pay them a lot of money, but over fewer years, I think that that trade-off is going to work out very well for the Raptors long-term to just not have those guys on his long contract. Let's do the, the monthly trend real quickly. Um, we didn't make any, oh, no, I guess we did do pr- predictions. Um, so our monthly trend. Oh God, I, d- I didn't look at mine. I'll look at them now. Yeah. Mine uh, was that will continue from February was that the Spurs would continue to play barely better than 500 ball. And that is proved to be correct. They're uh, have a 0.3 net rating since March 1st. Or, I'm sorry. No, they, they had a 0.3 net rating since February 1st. And then since March 1st, they're nine and eight with a plus 2.3 net rating. So pretty close there. They had been really on fire uh, and then things turned for them in, in February. And then the February monthly trend that I thought would be an aberration, the Lakers had a 6.4 net rating in February. And I predicted that they would play at 500 or worse the rest of the year. And uh, since that prediction, they are eight and 10 with a plus 0.5 net rating. So close, close to right on, on both of those. So my trend that would continue was Memphis having the league's worst offense. It has not quite continued. They're 27th, but part of the reason they're 27th is just because a few teams fell past them. Also, the surprising brilliance of Marshawn Brooks has actually has helped <laughs> oh, that God. despite all of their injuries. That's amazing. And Marshawn Brooks, who got who got a uh, a multi, I, it's called it. Shams called it a guaranteed two year deal with Memphis. We'll see what the actual terms of that are. So that that could end up working out interestingly for them. That one, I, I didn't get it exactly right, but I think I got it fairly close. The principle was right. And then the other one, I, I'm pretty happy that I got this one at least partially. Was that Houston had been had had the second lowest turnover rate. I think that was for the month of February, and that just seemed unrealistic to me. And they're now they're tenth in the span since then, since March first, and tenth seems a lot more like it. And yes, they do isolate a lot, but they Harden throws some really ambitious passes, and they're still a spectacular offense. They're second in the league in offense during that span. But I just didn't think they were going to be one of the two lowest anymore, and they weren't. Okay, so we've still got a uh, dunk of the year, but first I want to talk about the best dunks from March and April. Probably the number one for me would be LeBron coming down the left lane line and just putting it on Yusuf Nurkic. That was on March 15th, uh, Cleveland at Portland. I want to make a note about that dunk because I, when we're watching the montages, I realized something with LeBron. He is just completely indifferent to whether people are there. Like there was that, that dunk he had over basically the entire Nets team. I just don't think he cares because nobody's going to stop him. So he just jumps and does his yeah. thing, which shouldn't, it should some ways make it less impressive. It doesn't at all because he's LeBron James. No, that's a great point. Like if he's close enough to the rim to dunk it, like the only way you're going to stop him from dunking it is like you get your chest in between him and the rim. So he just cannot physically get close enough. Like just going up to block it. He just has so much confidence in that left calf and his ability to dunk it so hard off of one foot. Like, and and he's not scared. Like he's going to go up hard unless your chest is like right between him and the rim and you're meeting him pretty far away from there. Um, 
that Zubach dunk last night uh was pretty awesome actually uh yeah uh, on Zubac, the Spurs. also Paul Millsap getting posterized on back-to-back nights first one by Joel Embiid second one by Jakob Pertl that was special that doesn't happen very often uh probably my number two though would be DeMar DeRozan's double pump and one on Tolliver which I think sent the game into overtime them, or it gave them the lead you you could make an argument between that and the Valanciunas dunk both Raptors that it was the kind of the dunk of the year in terms of combination of dunk difficulty and significance because it because of what it did but DeRozan's was more difficult in a way because well actually both of them got hit on the dunks neither got called for fouls but yeah that DeRozan one was pretty awesome and in the circumstance I mean that was the game where they had been a little bit sloppy the Pistons were still in it and it got them to overtime and I believe the the Raptors won that game in overtime yeah they, they did that was actually uh, uh one of my nominations for the game of the month as well uh Larry Nance had a, his monthly obliteration this time on Mason Plumley of the Nuggets coming in from the left baseline and just Nance his arms are so long and he just holds it back and he'll just bump into guys and then just keep rising over them and he like seeks out their chest it, it's pretty awesome uh Jabari had another nice one on John Collins with the left and then uh DeAndre Jordan coming down off the lane it's rare that he'll be a one foot dunker but he can still get off of a, a one foot he did like the Michael Jordan like extended out like one hand double pump like almost from the free throw line that was pretty nice and then of course uh rick carlisle's favorite dunk of the year dennis smith bouncing it to himself uh, on the fast break that was pretty sick too the dunk contest dunk yeah that, that was impressive and it, it reminded me kind of of that paul george was that a 360 that paul george pulled off in well, a game when he was pa- younger paul george did that might be the best in-game like kind of dunk contest style fast break dunk that i've ever seen the paul george like vince carter reverse 360 i think it was against the clippers in 2014 that sounds right yeah, that was like that was awesome um and i remember i asked like this is when i was like really uncomfortable talking to players like my first year covering games and so like i was like hey David, what less like have you ever seen anything like that he's like oh yeah, it was pretty good dunk like fuck off <laughs> he didn't say that but like <laughs> so I, I don't know who you are uh but i think our dunk of the year we're both gonna have the same one aren't we probably Giannis, tim hardaway jr how the hell does somebody dunk over a human being in an nba game like yeah I mean, Vince doing it over Frederick Weiss is a completely different thing, and it's it will probably never be topped. I mean, I love the Tom Chambers dunk; it's one of my favorites. But Giannis dunking over a six foot six guy who didn't see it coming is just completely insane. Yeah, and, and it was like no one you didn't even see what had happened at first, and then they showed the replay, and you're just like, oh, okay. Um, what are some of your other honorable mentions? I think that LeBron on Nurkic would have to be up there for me. Uh, the Maxi Kleba on julius randall like on julius randall i was watching that live and went completely insane the the dominique dominique style like two ham pull it to the side and and dunk him with like a minute 30 left in the game that was awesome i i heartily enjoyed joel Embiid on russell westbrook partially because russell westbrook flopped and just got dunked all over i i enjoyed that from a from a satisfaction perspective Giannis's uh uh, that alley-oop on on baines and like the second game of the season baines got post again this month who was that by oh god i mean it happens oh, uh, all the time carl anthony towns yeah that's who it was yeah and and part of it you know it is kind of a badge of honor with these guys because baines contests a lot of shots so oh yeah like jared allen is the same way like him he, he really like anthony Tolliver is the same way too i mean like you if you're gonna play hard like you need to get dunked on every once in a while like that's actually the mark of a good defender uh a lot of times um but oh uh Ju- julie i think it was julius randall so at the kobe retirement game the best dunk i saw in person this year at the kobe 
retirement game, three different Lakers dunked on Kevin Durant in the first quarter or first half. And I think Randall's was the best of those three off the top of my head, but that was ridiculous. Okay. Uh, best win of the year. This one was actually pretty clear cut for me in terms of the larger significance. And it was the Toronto Raptors beating the Houston Rockets in Houston in November. I don't remember the exact date. It was the only game Houston lost in November. And it was kind of the sign of, oh yeah, these Raptors are for real. And they're getting the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. It was a nice win. And and why I like that one so much was also, they were a very good team playing a very good team who had a good game. This was not dominance over an off night or anything like that. The Raptors took maybe not Houston's best shot, but something pretty close to it in Houston and came away with the win. Yeah, in that vein, you would say that Houston's win over Golden State would be up there as well. That was a game when the Warriors were at full strength. The Rockets were at full strength. We knew how good the Rockets were at that point. It was the last time they were playing. That was really like the springboard to pass Golden State and get into the number one seed, although with all the Golden State's injuries, that would have gotten there anyway. But I kind of like an underdog story on these. So I'm going to go with the Celtics over the Jazz just a, about a week ago. No Irving, no Horford. Jazz just absolutely on fire. Celtics don't even have anything to play for and winning it on with Brad Stevens going to a 2-3 zone, drawing up an awesome play for Semi Oljale, who passed it to Jalen Braun, hitting the game-winning three-pointer down two, by the way, going into that possession. Uh, Terry Rozier was awesome in that game. The defense was awesome in that game. Like that's That just one, to me, uh, is right up there. And then maybe the other one would be the Celtics come back on the Rockets at home. But just I, I just loved everything about that Celtics win over the Jazz. It just epitomized like how they've just never quit, no matter who the personnel were this season. So th- that was the one that I liked. Obviously, a very nebulous opinion-based category here, but th- that's what would come to mind for me. The, the other nebulous opinion-based one is worst loss. I didn't do a ton of digging into this, but the one that I remembered most clearly was that Cleveland loss to the Orlando Magic, where they just completely shit the bed in the second half of that game. I think they scored like eight points in the fourth quarter, and that was the game for me that made me realize there was really something rotten in the state of Denmark. And that was February 6th, and Orlando was... This wasn't like, oh, when they, Orlando was 8-4 and four or whatever it was. They had already gone into their tailspin. They were living in their tailspin, and they beat Cleveland by what ended up being eight, 18 points. I had that one, and then I, I believe that you will kick yourself for not thinking of this one. Nuggets at Memphis. Yeah, uh, it's certainly well, because it's that certainly one's going to that one's going to matter. Like that Cleveland game, ultimately, it's not going to matter. Like they're going to get true. a good seed. They're still good. They made the trades. It's just a blip on the radar screen. Yeah, it sucked at the time. That loss is probably going to keep Denver out of the playoffs to an intentionally tanking Memphis team that was just had... don't tell that to Marshawn Brooks and Kobe Simmons, man. Yeah, but, they were not intentionally. But those guys were. Uh, Brooks wasn't even on the <laughs> team yet at that point. I don't think. Uh, I thought I thought it was Brooks and Simmons that led that comeback, but I could. Be oh wrong. yeah, no, I, I, I want to say it's for them. But um, in any event, I mean, like Memphis had lost what seventeen straight coming into that game. That was the one we. Yeah, were that like, was the yeah. game. That was where I had already written the fifteen and sixty. I'd already written <laughs> the, the right. like. No, that would have been their twentieth loss in a row. I had already written the Memphis loses twenty games in a row. They have a really good lead now on getting the worst pick, which also they're not going to get probably, which is pretty funny. And I had already written all that because that game I think was on Saturday night, and then we recorded the fifteen and sixty. And I'm like, okay, let's just read it anyway for fun. So yeah, that's certainly a, a worthy pick as well. I just saw in in the scope of the Cavs season that that was it was it was because I think the Cavs season in certain ways was more significant for me than the Nuggets, but that's certainly a worthy pick. Because we 
are nothing if not pedants. How do you say that? If you're being pedantic, are you a pedant? I don't know. That game was March 17th, 101-94 Memphis. Tyreek Evans did at least play. He did. And so did Marcus All. But no, it was actually a different book, Brooks. Dylan Brooks. Dylan. Who led Memphis with 24 points in 39 minutes in that game. Best game of the year. Oh, I I didn't spend a ton of time digging through this because it's also hard with, with our own records because you go through every, and, and we this is one that I've always regretted never keeping good notes on. So the game that I remembered the most and, and enjoying it just profusely, I just, just absolutely loved this game, was that OKC Denver one when Gary Harris hit the game win. I remember that. February 1st, that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, mine was also in February. Cleveland Cavaliers 140, Minnesota Timberwolves 138. That was the last one before the trade deadline, the ignoring Isaiah Thomas. Uh, LeBron hitting that completely insane shot uh, after blocking Jimmy Butler. LeBron, they threw it to him at the free throw line at the opposite end after J.R. Smith started dribbling and they couldn't advance the ball. When Wiggins didn't help. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of people who didn't help literally and figuratively uh, on that one. Uh, and LeBron hit that awesome fadeaway over Butler. But the teams combined for an NBA record 43 pointers in that game. Cleveland was 21 of 41 from three and Minnesota was 19 of 33 from three in that one. And there were just a ton of lead changes. I think Cleveland was down by like five points in the last two minutes of both regulation and overtime LeBron hit massive threes he just is another one of these crazy clutch LeBron games and uh you know a lot of talent on the floor a lot of good shooting and maybe not as much defense but a ton of drama so that was the one that I went to uh honorable mention to Boston's comeback over Houston from like 26 down or whatever that ended up being um that that's the game that's marred by the Marcus Smart play right uh plays I thought it was plays yeah it was two that's right yeah where, where he drew the offensive off ball offensive fouls against james harden um mm-hmm. any others just boston you know. played a lot of fun games oh the, yeah their boston's two games against the warriors were both great yep yep i, I agree and i think uh, off the top of off the top of my head that boston warriors the game at oracle was maybe my favorite game we did for the twitter nba show uh one from march jazz at spurs donovan mitchell oh, that just was the fun. incredible like last two minutes he hit that game tying three where he rose up on the right wing from like 26 feet over two guys uh but they ended up losing in overtime aldridge was awesome in that game um so that was one that comes to mind too but yeah i, I think i would go with that wolves Cavs game that was awesome and uh hopefully you thought that this show uh, was awesome thanks so much for listening and uh not sure exactly what this week's gonna look like danny is out of town hoping to have dylan murphy on actually to do uh, one of these gamers in the next couple of days and then danny will at least do the last day of the season and we'll do the playoff preview obviously on thursday oh can i plug a couple things at absentia <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah i mean tell us uh what ride is most awesome at disneyland well i can't do that because i haven't ridden them yet oh, but oh are I, you pop- are you only going to be at disneyland can you go to wet and wild too oh i'm at, i'm at, at i'm going to be at disney, disney world, world. So there are two water there are yeah, two there are two water parks associated with it as well i, I can't remember the yeah, names of like, them but there are two i haven't of them. been there in forever but there was i don't know if this still exists or not i mean the last time i was there was 1995 but uh at wet and wild which is a water park that's just in orlando 
they had this ride called the stuka actually dare stuka which was it's like one of those super steep water slides that's like you know where you have to like cross your ankles or you get like a really bad wedgie or you cross your ankles and just get a really bad wedgie regardless they just tell you to do that and then just tell you didn't cross your ankles well enough but nonetheless you it's like one of those but you step into this chamber that's just got like you know a little window that you can see out of and then like the guy like hits the butt like asked if you're ready over an intercom hits the button and the bottom just drops out of the chamber and you go down this like 100 foot tall water slide it's awesome uh and completely terrified me as like you know a 10 year old (laughs) i'll have to i'll have to keep an eye on it but so i pre-recorded both real jam radio for the past week so that will that's with uh rob mahoney really fun conversation we talked about Kyrie, talked about the playoff picture and then we did a a thing on how he makes the breakaway podcast which i i really enjoy and the process behind it and so i had a lot of questions because it's so different from what we do yeah that i wanted to talk about that and and so we did that on the show and then i talked i will talk with sam vicini uh doing the ncaa tournament in draft review and kind of setting the table in many ways for our own research as we start to do that who stepped up what has really changed over the past of it and so that will be released on tuesday so it'll be soon enough all right and we definitely want to get like a full review of like the best rides like a full dunked on analysis of like how to do disney world i think i think our readers oh you haven't seen you haven't seen my preparation yet yeah there there's it's i have there's a insanely detailed itinerary created by (laughs) my sister and me that is absolutely insane i'll send it to you and uh but yeah that might end up being something for patreon subscribers so patreon.com slash duncan larue yeah why don't we just start a separate patreon just for like uh theme park analytics uh but yeah i mean i I remember i was so into disney world when i was a kid i bought like as a nine-year-old i had like this book and you know two months before we were about to go i would just start reading it and like plan out every second of every day obviously down to like which country pavilion at epcot we were gonna be eating like overpriced fake ethnic food had ah epcot is so sorry uh compared to like the real rides places Are, are you gonna go to epcot at all yeah but mostly focus on the food stuff because my family as you know is very into food yeah I, I, it's probably like actually good now i bet like 20 years oh it is I've last been there it, it is pretty awesome i because i was i was at disney world in 2012 so it hasn't been that long and they've they've changed around a lot the rides there aren't as good so for ride oriented people it's there but yeah i mean because we're doing one of the crazy dining plans also so we're just going to go around and try a bunch of stuff it's going to be fantastic yeah the food part of it i think is going to be interesting for you because you enjoy that as well yeah and uh for those of you who were totally bored by this conversation it was at the end of the podcast we already gave you all the content we weren't forcing you to sit through this to get to the actual good content but now uh that content is over and we will talk to you all tomorrow till then at bet365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every basket every game every point every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line whatever the sport whatever the moment it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.